Access is the Young Adults Ministry of Resurrection Life Church. We hope you enjoy this week's guest speaker. Hey, here we are. It's Thursday night. Woo, and I'm not Pastor Kurt. I'm what Kurt hopes he looks like when he's 18 years older than he is right now. Now, I am Pastor Bernie, and uh, my claim to fame is I am Mrs. B's husband. So there you go. Anybody who knows Mrs. B knows that's the truth. So she's the one that uh, keeps me going. So um, tonight, I just have good news for you, and that's good news is this. God is here. See, how can, I, how can I say God is here? Because his word says that he inhabits the praises of his people. And that was some of the best worship I've ever been in. That was amazing worship. And you know why it was so amazing? It wasn't so amazing because these guys are so amazing because they are so amazing. But that's not what makes it amazing. You know what makes it amazing? That you guys are embracing and worshiping with them. They're not, they're not just worshiping, they're leading you. And I just, I was sitting in the back and I was so blessed watching you guys enter into God's presence. That is so powerful. You know, five minutes in the presence of God can do more than a hundred hours of talking. Because the worship is so, you, you become, it's, it, it's called yada. It's, it's a face-to-face experience with the almighty God. And when you get into worship, everything changes. So when I say God is here, it's true. God is here. You know why he's here? Because he inhabits the praises of his people. And this has been a fantastic, get out of here. Come on, there, over there. Um, it's been a fantastic uh, experience already just being in God's presence. If you only came for worship, you got what you came for. If you, if you came for, for the presence of God, you already got what you came for. So therefore, all the pressure's off me, right? Yeah, it's all good. Um, tonight, we're gonna talk about Freedom Protocol. Sounds like a movie. I said, sounds like a Tom Cruise movie to me. Freedom Protocol. Yeah. So, Freedom Protocol. What's a protocol? Somebody says, well, what the heck's a protocol? Protocol is simply a plan of carrying out a systematic treatment of a patient in the medical realm. That's all it means. This means a systematic, it's a plan for carrying out a systematic treatment plan. That's all it is. So what everybody has a protocol, it's just a matter of which protocol you're going to operate under. The kingdom of heaven has a freedom protocol, and the kingdom of this world has a protocol for how to handle disappointment. Which one are you going to operate in? That's the question. See, protocols are just simply, like I said, a a systematic plan. About, I don't even know how long ago, probably 17 or 18 years ago, I was uh, in a hurry, and I fell from about six feet up in the air, and my foot hit a rusty screw sticking out, and it ripped my foot a gash about that long. I ended up with 34 stitches. It was all the way down to the bone. It was bad, okay? And I went to the, you know, the urgent care center. They shot me up with tetanus and then all kinds of stuff, put 34 stitches in, and uh, gave me a treatment protocol. They said, this is what you got to do written. So I followed it to the T. Three weeks later, I went back to a different doctor who was at the urgent care center. And 
He looked at, I said, man, I don't know what's going on. Three weeks and no healing has taken place. It seems like it's just as bad as it always was. What's going on? He looked at it. He goes, oh my gosh, what have you been doing? I gave him the piece of paper the other doctor gave me. And he looked, and he like got this really worried look on his face like, oh crap. You know, that's basically what it sounded like he was going to do. But he goes, I'll be right back. He comes back in and he goes, we're going to send you to the wound clinic and uh, they're going to, you know, uh, fix this and do this. And they had given me a completely, the, whoever this was, and I never sued him or anything, but um, they gave me the wrong protocol. Okay. And it was exactly the opposite of what I was supposed to be doing. And I was following that protocol to a T doing everything they told me to do, and it wasn't working. Why? Because it was the wrong protocol. So I followed the right protocol, but here, there was some pain involved between following the wrong protocol and getting on the right protocol. Everything that had started to heal was all janky and weird looking, right? So they put this really hot water, and they took this soap and this brush, and just made me cry like a baby as they just tore it up down to the blood again because they had to get all that improper stuff out of there so that we could start healing right. And then about a month it was healed. But I had to go through that getting off the wrong protocol, go through some pain and getting on the right protocol before I could get healing. And there's just a nice big scar there and I can talk about it once in a while when my shoes are off, you know. But uh, other than that, I'm good. There was no permanent damage. But my point is this, protocol makes all the difference. So what is heaven's protocol for your freedom? What do you do when things happen that are bad in your life? What do you do when somebody just does something really mean or they hurt you or they... They're supposed to be one way and they don't do it. And they're, they're supposed to protect you and they expose you. What do you do when a friend betrays you? What do, what do you do when a, a girlfriend cheats on you or a boyfriend cheats on you? What do you do? What do you do when somebody betrays you? Well, there's a, there's a natural protocol and that involves eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, fight fire with fire, right? Flame them on Facebook, Right? All those things are all the natural things you do. But I always say when you fight fire with fire, all you get is a bigger fire. So that doesn't work, right? So that's the world's, that's the natural, that's the natural method. That's what we do. But then there's a, there's a protocol that, that the Bible prescribes for freedom. Matthew 5, verse 44. I don't know if they're going to be able to put it up there or not. I got it on my Bible on my phone right here. See, I'm not as old as you think I am. I actually have a phone that works, and I know how to work it, too. Um, Matthew 5, it says, You have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those that curse you. Now, personally, I'd rather curse those that curse me. How about you? But the Bible says that we're supposed to bless those that curse you. Do good to those who hate you. I don't like that one either. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Wow. That's the verse I wish I could. Honestly, it's like my flesh. I go, I don't like any of that. That isn't, that is, I like Rambo's style better. <laughs> that, what was that movie? They made three of them. They're all the old guys. What, 
Expendables, there you go. The second one, he says, after they kill his young friend, maybe that was one or two, I don't know which one it was. But he goes, so what do we do? He goes, track them, hunt them, kill them. And I'm going, I'm with him. But you know what? That's not God. That's not God's way. I know it sounds good and it makes a good movie, but that's not, how, that's not God's method. That's not the way it works. I mean, as much as it's like, I love those. That's not, what it, that's not what we're supposed to do. The Bible says we pray for those who hurt you. We bless those that curse you. That's the heaven's freedom protocol. Dang, I say. What's up with that? Praying for people that are mean to you? That doesn't sound right to my flesh, but that's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus says. Romans chapter 12 is another one. And I'm going to quick find it here. Romans chapter 12, verse 17. We're going to get there. Trust me. Here we go. It says, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. It says, repay no one evil for evil. If it, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably among all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves. Rather, give place to wrath, for it's written, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. If he's in doing so, you'll heap coals of fire in his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. He says, man, if, if, you're, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. That doesn't sound, I, I thought if your, enemy's hung, if your enemy's hungry, shoot him. But no, the Bible says if, you're angry, if your enemy's hungry, feed him feed them. And we look at Jesus. Jesus operated in this principle. When he was being nailed to the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He said, Father, forgive them. While they're driving nails through his wrists and his feet, whipping him, spitting on him, mocking him, every kind of evil you can imagine they were doing to him. And you know what he said? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And that's the thing that just blows me away about Jesus because he could have spoken a word and killed them all. But he didn't. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Then lest you think, well, that was Jesus, you know, son of God and all that. Well, then there was a man, his name was Stephen. And the Saul, who later became the apostle Paul, was chasing down Christians and he found Stephen and Stephen was preaching and they got all mad that says they plugged their ears and they screamed and ran at him and pushed him off a cliff and then smashed his head with rocks. Some angry mob if I ever heard of one, right? And these were the, uh, like the church leaders or the synagogue leaders did that to him. And while he was dying, this is just a man, this is not son of God, this is not Jesus, this is a man named Stephen. He says, Father, do not charge them with this sin. Wow. When you do that, when you choose to forgive, you open the door for God to work in that person's life. You know, it says in Acts chapter 9 that Saul stood by consenting to Stephen's death. He heard, he was right there when Stephen said, Father, lay not this sin to their charge. That had to bug Saul something fierce. He had to work and go, 
We're killing him. How in the world can he say, Father, forgive them? We're murdering him. It had to bug him at night when he was all alone and nobody was around. It had to. And then later, he's, on, he's, he's still persecuting Christians. He's on the road to Damascus. And he gets knocked down and a bright light comes and Jesus says to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Why are you persecuting me? He says, you're going to be a vessel. You're going to be used. Now go see Ananias. So Ananias goes, he goes, Ananias finds him. He's there, prays for him. God heals him because he had been blind and God calls him and Paul ends up writing two thirds of the New Testament. He evangelizes the then known world, but you know where it all started? It started with Stephen saying, Father, Forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Lay not this sin to their charge. John chapter 20 is a great scripture. John chapter 20, verse, I believe it's 23. I'm going to get there. Hold on. Put it up there if you would, please. John 20, 23. If you forgive any, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Forgiveness, you release God into someone's life when you forgive them. If you release them, you are releasing the spirit of God upon them. You, you release it off from, you release the hurt off from you and you release the spirit of God onto that other person. That's why it's so important to forgive. If you don't forgive, you end up tormented. You know, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 34, it says, if you don't it's the parable of the unforgiving servant. He owed a whole bunch of money. It's a parable. He owed a whole bunch of money to somebody and he went to them and said, please, please forgive me. I can't pay. And so the guy forgave him. And then he went and found somebody else that owed him 20 bucks. He grabbed him by the neck and threw him in jail. And when the guy who forgave him the million bucks heard that he threw somebody in jail for 20 bucks, he turned him over to the tormentors. It's a parable. But here's the principle behind the parable. When you don't forgive, when you don't follow heaven's protocol for freedom, you end up tormented in your mind. There was a situation that I had this past year. Now, you have to understand, I've been saved for 31 years, okay? Longer than most of you have been alive. I've been saved serving God, loving Jesus, for 31 years, been in the ministry for 25 years, married for 29, got five sons. They love Jesus. I'm the happiest guy in the world, okay? So, but yet last year, I had someone do, do something incredibly painful to me, incredibly painful, to the point where I was on vacation, supposed to be having fun, and I found myself at six in the morning crying on my deck, because I couldn't sleep and I was so tormented because this person had hurt me so bad and I hadn't forgiven them and I was very angry at them. Here I am, I'm full of Jesus, but you know what? When you don't forgive, you end up tormented. That's what happens in your mind. And I was on that deck and I was literally driven to tears. I was crying saying, God, what's going on? And it looks like heaven was shut because you know why? Because I hated that person in my heart for doing that bad thing to me. I was hating them. And I wasn't following heaven's protocol for freedom. I was following the world. Even after being saved for 31 years, I still reverted back into the flesh version of hating someone that hurts you so badly. 
I mean, I would sit there and I'd go, I'm going to write a letter and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I was devising all these plans inside my head about how I was going to make them pay for what they did to me. Do you know how wrong that is? You know how dumb that is? Well, I'll tell you, it's dumb. Don't do that. So finally, my great wife says to me, you need to forgive that person because you know what? This is, you're better than how you're acting right now. She says, you need to forgive them. She says, because you know what? This isn't going to hurt him. It's hurting you. And you need to turn this thing over to God. And you know what I did? While I was still very angry and still very in a lot of pain, I said, you're absolutely right. Thank God for my wife. And I said, yes, I choose to forgive. I repent from being angry. I repent. I say, God, forgive me. And I started praying every day for that person by name. And I started praying blessings on them. And at first it was really hard. You know, there's an old country song. I prayed for you today. I prayed that a, that a pot would fall off and break your head. I prayed you'd have a car accident. I prayed you'd have. Now that wasn't how I was praying. I was praying that God would bless him and that God would, 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 would find a way to reach into his heart and really bring blessing and peace into his life. And I started just praying for him. And you know, a wonderful thing happened. The torment left me, and it just left. It just left. It's miraculous. It just left. When you don't forgive, you get turned over to the tormentors because you're, being, you're operating under the wrong protocol, just like with my foot. I could follow that protocol all I wanted to. My foot was never going to get better. I was doing the wrong thing. As soon as I started doing the right thing, my foot got better. Same thing, I was following the wrong protocol to freedom. And it was never going to work. It was only gonna get worse. Then I had to repent, which means turn around, have a change of mind and a change of heart, which produces a change of action. And when I turned, everything changed. I got my peace back. I was actually able to have a nice vacation for the following three days that was left. I wasted three days, but okay, I had three left, so that was good. But my point is this, I had to change, and there was pain, and I had to humble myself, and I had to say, I was wrong, God forgive me, okay? You never get too old, you never get too mature, you never grow up to the point where you don't have to acknowledge that you did something wrong, repent, and ask God to forgive you, and then start walking a different direction, you never outgrow that, so get used to it. Do it every day. It's easier that way, right? Take it little bites at a time instead of all at once. See, forgiveness releases not only the other person, it releases you. See, forgiveness doesn't make the other person right. What that person did to me was wrong, but it's not my job to inflict judgment on them. Neither is it your job to inflict judgment on whoever has wronged you. That is God's job. God's, God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Leave room for God. See, if you're trying to exact vengeance, guess what? God can't exact vengeance on that person while you're exacting vengeance. It doesn't work that way. You have to release them to God and then God can take care of it. And we don't pray bad things on the people. That's why it says we should pray that God would bless them. You know what? Repentance is a blessing. When I repented, you know what? The ability to turn and repent is an incredible blessing. 
You know that? The world, the world does not think you can change. It even says in, in Ecclesiastes, can a leopard change his spots? Neither can a man change his ways. See, without God, we, you can go on all the self-help programs you want, but you can't change yourself really unless you have a radical change in your heart, which, is only, which only works by the Spirit of God. So if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you retain them, you're retained. But if you retain them, you're going to have torment. But as soon as you forgive and put it back in God's hands, you know what happens? Freedom. Freedom happens. You start blessing those that curse you. You start praying for those that despitefully misuse you. And you know what happens? Freedom happens. Romans 5.8, it says that God demonstrates his love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. See, I hear this a lot. People say, but you don't know what they did to me. I said, no, I may not know, but I know this. They haven't flogged you, stripped you, beat you, spit on you, pulled out all your hair and hung you on a cross naked and killed you yet. I know that, right? And Jesus forgave while they were doing that to him. So I mean... It's a big deal. Whatever happened, happened to each of us, it, it's big to us. It's big because it's big to us. That's the big deal. What this guy did to me, you would think, oh, who cares? Well, it was a big deal to me, okay? And so that's what it is for everyone. Whatever happened in your life, it's big because it's big to you, and it hurts. So forgiveness, you don't have to wait for that person to ask you to forgive them. Jesus didn't ask, he just forgave. God didn't ask for us to beg him for Jesus. While we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. While they were still killing him, Stephen prayed for his killers, for his murderers. See, forgiving people does not make them right, nor does it justify what they did to us or somehow make us less. Forgiveness frees us because forgiveness is freedom protocol. Forgiveness, blessing those that hurt you, loving those that don't love you back. That's freedom's protocol. You turn them over to God and let God handle, quotation marks, the situation. See, torment is eminent if you don't operate in that forgiveness. You will be tormented. Some of, the, some of the, the, the saddest situations I've ever found is when you come upon a person who's in their 70s and they're bitter and they're angry because you know what happens? They're usually sick because anger produces all these bad acidic chemicals in your body and it wrecks all your internal organs and it causes sickness and it's all kinds of bad things happen when you have anger and unforgiveness in your life. Even in the physical realm, um, all kinds of bad things happen because it produces negative things. Even in your body, it produces negative things. Probably the best example of, of uh, a freedom protocol is my wife. She um, had, I didn't meet her until she was 22. We met at this church when we were both 22. And... Um, I was praying, I was actually praying for somebody and I looked up and there was this beautiful blonde girl praying like this and I went, ooh, oh, I better pray, sorry. <laughs> I married her, but anyway. <clears throat> but 
soon after we were dating, I realized that uh, it's a pretty amazing um, journey that she had. Her, her father left when she was four, and he never came back. He never came back. Not one birthday, not one Christmas, not one graduation, not one game, not one anything. No plays, nothing. He left and never came back. Lived in town, but never came back. She was 18. She was born again at Central Michigan University. Go Chips. My wife got saved there. That's good. I went to Western. It's okay. But she got saved at Central, so I like Chips for that. It's also where... No, Kurt didn't go there, did he? He coached there. There you go. So at Central Michigan, she got saved. And when she got saved, she read a verse that said, I am a father to the fatherless and a husband to the widow. And she took that seriously, and she literally said, God, I need you to be my father because I've never had a father. I don't know what a father is. Help me. And I know some of you have never had a father. I would say to you, just go to God and say, God, I need you to be my father because I've never had a father. My sister, her husband died, and she's, she lives on the verse, you're a husband to the widow because her husband died. And she said, well, God's my husband. God, my lawnmower don't work. Help me because my husband would take care of this. You're my husband. Fix it. And, you know, it's pretty miraculous the things that God does when you actually rely upon his word. So she received her heavenly father as her father shortly after when she received the Lord. And then she did something that I still think is astounding. She sought out her father and found him and began to seek him out and build a relationship with him. Not because she needed a daddy, but because she wanted him to know her heavenly father. And she, and you have to understand, he he was a very troubled, mentally ill man. He was. He was very, very mentally ill and very troubled at the time. He was tormented. He hadn't forgiven. He was full of bitterness, and he hadn't forgiven. But he, he, he allowed her to build a relationship with him, and he, she built a, a very good relationship with him. And I met him shortly after we started seeing each other. And one day, it was on Father's Day, it was a, and uh, we took him. We would see him five, six times a uh, a year. And uh, one Father's Day, we took him to Big Boy downtown at Pearl, right there. We were sitting there at Pearl, and for some reason, we, you know, we gave him a gift, and we're trying to celebrate him as a father, even though he was never really an earthly father to her, but we're trying to reach out to him and honor him. And uh, he got in a particularly foul mood, started just picking at my wife. He made her cry, and dang it, you're in trouble, you make my wife cry. I mean, anybody who's married here, somebody make your wife cry? We'll put the hurt on you, bud. I couldn't beat him up because he's an old man, so that didn't work. <laughs> and I was like 25 and still in shape back then, so hey, you know. But he made her cry, so she ran out of the restaurant crying. And I'm sitting there, I'm going... I didn't say nothing because everything I was thinking was bad. So I just, quiet. I grabbed the, the bill and grabbed a $20 bill and slapped it on the counter and said, we're out of here. And I said, are you going to ride or not? Because I'm leaving. And he jumped in the car and she had taken the present. We're driving down the road. He's just quiet. I'm quiet. 
you know, I'm a little bit upset, as you can imagine. And um, understatement alert there. But <laughs> so we are driving on the road. I'm driving not safe. I'm doing a, like 60 and a 25, you know. And because don't drive when you're angry. It's not good. But I'm going down the road. He takes our present, rolls down the window. He hits the button, rolls on him. I don't want your bleepity presents. He goes like that, throws it out the window. And I'm going, can I throw you out the window, Jack? <laughs> I wasn't at my best form at the time. And um, so we drive. I pull up to his apartment. He gets out. He doesn't say a word. He just, you know, walks up the street up to his apartment. All of a sudden, my wife busts out of the back seat because I had a two-door car back then. They actually made two-door cars back then. And uh, she busts out of the back seat. She runs down the street, and she, and she goes, Dad! And he turns around. She wraps her arms around his neck, and he says, she says, You can't do anything to make me not love you. And I went, I'm going to marry that girl. Because <laughs> I was like, Are you kidding me? But she just, she literally, that's how she loved him. And it was a few years after that, he actually gave his life to Jesus. He threw, watched Pastor Dwayne on television all the time, gave his life to Jesus. He never had another like breakdown like he always had. He, he, was, he was diagnosed with a, the up and down thing. And um, well, bipolar is what it's called. But it's not funny at all, actually. But, you know, he didn't have any more of these things where he was crazy. He didn't do that anymore. After he got saved, it all stopped. And he actually became a very gentle, nice, older man. We visited him every Friday. My wife and I had dinner or lunch with him every Friday for like two years. And we took him to check. The kids always took the kids and grandpa to Chuck E. Cheese. They always knew, we're going to go see grandpa. Yeah, we're going to Chuck E. Cheese every time, right? And so he actually became a pleasant person. Not all the time, but he was, he was good. He wasn't like, like he used to be. And, you know, he accepted the Lord. And in 2012, he died. He had like five diseases. He died in 2012. I preached his funeral, and he's in heaven today. He's in heaven after being a complete bad guy his whole life, he got saved six or seven years before he died. And we had wonderful times with him. He told us how proud he was of him. He'd call me up, just say, hey, will you pray with me? I'm feeling very tense and I'm afraid. Will you pray with me? I think I'm gonna die. You think Jesus will take me? And I'd pray with him on the phone. I mean, how, how miraculous is that? This guy that used to call me up, we literally blocked his phone number because he'd call me up just to swear at me when we were first married. Hello. I mean, I don't know if any of you have anybody in your life like that, but I'm like, I didn't sign up for this. Some old guy calling me up just to swear at me on my own phone? Come on. And then to transform him to such a degree that I actually enjoyed being with him and he was a godly man and I cried when he died. That's amazing. You know what caused that? Freedom protocol. Forgiveness. And unconditional love. See, she had so forgiven her father that it opened up God to absolutely work in his life. And it wasn't just my wife. So if you're listening and one of her sisters is listening, the whole family loved him. 
I only know the history of my wife, so don't be offended if you if it's you know your mom did the same thing. I got she's got like four sisters and a brother who all reached out to him. I only know my wife's story, so that's the only one I can tell. Okay, but that unconditional love so radically transformed that man that he became actually a completely different person. And he got free from the torment of unforgiveness. He got free from it. I believe, I believe with all my heart that my wife and her sisters, but the one I know is my wife and the experience I had, her unconditional love, undeserved forgiveness, and tenacious prayer saved his life and eventually saved him from going to hell. It, gave, it, it opened the door for him to be able to receive. He so, grace is what she was exhibiting, but grace and forgiveness and unconditional love can do what no amount of counseling and certainly no amount of anger or arguing can do. It breaks down all the resistances to the point where eventually he was just like, nobody's ever been this nice to me. What you have must be true. God help me. Because, and that's all it is. So the forgiveness that was offered to him, the freedom, the praying for him, the blessing when there's cursing, the, the praying for him when they're, when they're persecuting you, that is what made all the difference in the world. There's the, there's the flesh protocol, and that is, you know, what we talked about, revenge, eye for an eye, all that. But then there's freedom protocol, which involves forgiveness, praying. And you can't do it on your own. Trust me. You can't do it on your own. You cannot do it on your own. So if you would, I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to call anybody forward or anything, but I want you to just bow your heads and just kind of look in your own heart right now. This is application time. Okay, nice story, Pastor Bernie, right? How does it relate to me? Well, that's what you need to do right now. Say, Holy Spirit, how does this affect me? How can I apply this in my life right now? Is there anyone in my life that I haven't really forgiven? Is there anyone in my life, and if you need to, start writing the names down if there's more than one. Is there anyone in my life that I'm just angry at for long term? Is there anyone in my life that that I just have not released, have not forgiven of how they've hurt me. And here's my, my plea to you today. I'm saying to you, please, for your own sake, decide that you're going to forgive. Forgiveness is a decision. It's not a feeling. See, if you choose to forgive today, it doesn't mean that you'll have warm fuzzies tomorrow for this person. What it means is you choose to forgive, you choose to obey, and you start to pray blessings on that person. And over time, you know what will happen? Your emotions will line up with your decisions, and then your feelings will line up, and you will begin to uh, love that person with God's love. It's not something that happens Presto changeo, though. It doesn't work like that. It works over time. So if that's you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, if you say, I've got to forgive somebody because I, I know that I haven't forgiven and I, I got to forgive because I want to be free. I want my mind to be free. I want to operate in God's protocol.
freedom. If that's you, everybody's eyes are closed. It's nobody's business but yours and God's. Just lift up your hand. I'm not gonna call you forward. Just lift it up. Say, I need to forgive. That's me. I need to. I need to. It's me. Okay. Put them down. And I'm just gonna lead us in a prayer, a simple prayer. It's the start. This is the start, okay? And I want everybody, including those that didn't even raise your hands, I want you to pray this prayer with us, okay? Say, Heavenly Father, I ask you to forgive me for not forgiving. Forgive me for holding on and trying to make the other person pay. As an act of my will, I forgive. And now you put that person's name in your own heart. You put him in there. I forgive. I release them from all harm they've done to me. I ask you, Father, by your spirit, empower me to love them. Even when I don't feel like it, give me grace so I can give grace. I thank you that I'm forgiven. I am free and I am whole in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you'd like to join us live, we meet every Thursday night at 7 p.m. in the ground floor at Res Life in Granville, Michigan. Or you can watch us online at reslife.org slash live. You can also keep in touch with the Access Ministry on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Access RLC.